You guys, come on up, kind of scoot in a little bit. And I'm going to put, put a backpack out here. And a backpack right in here. And maybe one back here. Oh. And one right there. Let's see here. You guys are kind of far away, but Brooklyn, you can help me with that one. All right, here's one for you. Okay, this is what I want you to do is I want, if you're near a backpack, I want you to get close to it and I want you to put your hands on that backpack. Okay? Just get close to it and we're going to pray because some of you have your backpacks, but most of these backpacks are going to students right here at this school who may not have enough money or stuff to buy all this that they need for school. And so we've bought backpacks for them and we've bought supplies for them so that they can use these. And we're going to ask that God would bless the backpacks, but mostly we're going to ask that God would bless those who are going to receive it. So you guys are going to help me. We're going to pray for all the students who are going to get these backpacks. You got it? All right, let's pray. Dear God, we do thank you for school. As hard as it is, and we know summer's coming to an end. But we ask, God, that you would bless this gift that we've given and that you would bless the students that are going to receive it, that they may feel loved and cared for, that they may know somebody out there uh, wants to help them and care for them. And we ask God, as all of us go back to school, that you would help us make a new friend and love somebody in your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you guys would put your backpacks, these backpacks right back up here by the altar, that would be great. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, you guys, we're not done with you yet. I want you all to turn around and I want you to face everybody out there. Um, you all have heard me share this story before. I probably am not going to share the story, but I do want to just say this. Parents, grandparents, adopted grandparents, adopted aunts and uncles, whoever, surrogate, it doesn't matter. We all have a privilege as the church to bless our children, to put our hands upon them and ask God's blessings to pour out on them. And so I'm going to ask if you are a student, uh, I know we've got the young ones up here, but if you are a student, whether it's 18 or younger or you're going to college, I want you to come up here too, nice and quickly, nice and quickly. And all of us in this room are going to pray for you that God would bless your new school year and that you might know him through what you learn. So church, again, I'm going to ask you if you feel comfortable to put your hands out. You can. If you don't want to, that's fine. But we're going to bless these kids. God, I thank you for each and every one of these students that are standing before us right now. From the little bitty, bitty kids who are just learning to talk to the oldest ones who are going to school to further their ability to make money, to be a good parent. We just ask that you would bless them. I ask that you would show your face to them. That they would know your love, God. That they would feel your protection. And know that no matter what that happens in this life or at school, that you love them. And that you are their best friend. 
and you want the best for them. Please bless them to keep all the stuff they're going to learn in their brains. And we pray that their lives would bring glory and honor to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all so much. Now, all the children can head back that way with our teachers for children's time. <clears throat> okay. If you have your Bibles and you would like to follow along, we're going to be looking in John. John is the, the fourth gospel in the New Testament. It's in the back half of your Bible. Well, actually, more than the back half. It's way back in the back, kind of. But this is John chapter 1, verses 35 through 38. We have been going through a series uh, called Questions God Asks Us. And, you know, sometimes we open up our Bibles and we think, well, all the answers are supposed to be right in here. And many times they may be, but the author of this particular book has called us to look and consider the questions that God asks us in the Bible. To let them settle in our lives and, and let them shape who we are and who we uh, are becoming. And so uh, we've dealt with, where are you from Genesis? Where is your brother? Also from Genesis, and today we are going to be talking about what do you want? So let me read this from John chapter 1, verses 35 through 38. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Let us pray. God, we ask that your words would come to life in us today. That we would come with all of our stuff and lay it at your feet. That you would hear, and we know you hear, our hearts cry. And that as you hear our hearts cry, we would also hear what you have to say for us today. That it would change us from the inside out. That we would become the people you have asked us to be. And that we would know you as a loving and caring God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, I want to share a story that a colleague of mine uh, shared with me. Maybe you've been in this situation, maybe you haven't, maybe you've seen other people who are in this situation, but here's how the story goes. He was out one Christmas season shopping, and he was at the mall, and he was doing all, you know, all the different things, or maybe he was at a, I'm not sure exactly what kind of store, but probably the mall, trying to find that perfect gift, and he ran across a couple from his congregation and they had bags upon bags and piles of stuff in the shopping cart and they were just kind of lugging along and they were all getting in the checkout and, and he turned and said, you know, how the, the, all the, you know, nicey-nicey things, how are you doing, things going well, all that kind of stuff. But then he said, well, it must be nice that you guys are almost done. And he said he saw this dejected look, particularly in the man's face, uh, and he said, you know, 
we still haven't found what we were looking for. And he just stepped back and he thought, what a picture. What a picture of all of us in this life. We don't maybe even know what our heart's desire is, but we go up and down the, the shopping aisles of life looking for that thing, that person, that whatever it may be that will be the thing that we are looking for. But at the end of the day, many of us come home and we simply say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So today we're going to hear this question from Jesus. What do you want or what are you looking for? We may be looking for more. We may be looking to be happier or to have a more meaningful life or to, to, to be more significant in this world. All of us have different wants in our hearts and in our minds. And these disciples that were standing with John were probably no different. They had been listening to John's teaching. They were his disciples. And yet here was John saying, look, there is the Lamb of God. They're intrigued. They want to know more, but they're not even sure, I don't think, what to ask for. So they just say, okay, John, we're, we're leaving. Bye. And they go and they start following Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but can you imagine, you know, you just decide you're going to start following this guy who your teacher said was the Lamb of God. And as you're following along, he stops on a dime turns and looks right at you and says, what do you want? Now, all of us have concepts of God. I don't know how that sounds to you. I don't think it was Jesus going, what do you want? I don't think he was bothered. He just turned around and said, what do you want? Now, the disciples, I think maybe they might have known what they wanted, but they weren't sure. It's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't say, who do you want? That's not the question. He says, what do you want? And they can't even get their minds around that question, so they ask another question. Where are you staying? Wait a minute, I just asked, what do you want? Well, I don't know what I want, so where are you staying? We'll start there, okay? Jesus is fine with that. And he says, follow me. And he invites them and they go and they spend time with him. And they see where he stays, where he lays his head, at least for a period of time. And we have the beginning of the first calling of the first disciples. But it's with this question. It's the very first question that Jesus asks in this gospel. And I think it's very poignant for us today. There are three parts, really, to this question that we need to delve into. One, it asks us to listen to our hearts. Number two, it asks us what do we desire most in this life. And number three, it asks us to ask for what we want. So let's deal first with listening to our hearts, paying attention to our innermost longings, now, all of us think that's a really good idea, right? I need to listen to my heart. I need to pay attention to what I truly want in my life, right? 
But I'm going to ask you, uh, what are all the excuses that you have made or you have heard other people made, make to say, I can't stop to listen to my own heart, to what's going on inside of me? I'll give you an example of a friend of mine. Uh, this isn't necessarily why he didn't do it. This is just how he avoided doing it, maybe. I was in high school. I had decided to start turning off my radio in the car because I needed time to think and to just be without all the noise. And my friend, I love him to death, every single time he got in the car, <laughs> it was like, can we turn on the radio? Can we, can we turn on the radio? He knew why, that I wanted it quiet. Can we turn on the radio? I can't stand it without the radio. We got to have some noise. And if I would say, eh, he'd just lean over and turn it on anyway. He just, he always, constant, had to have the noise, something going on because he didn't want to stop possibly. Now that's a little judgmental of me. I apologize. But it's possible. He was avoiding stopping long enough to hear what his own heart's desire might be. So I want you to throw out, what are some excuses for why we don't stop and listen to our own hearts. Too busy. Too much going on. We're afraid. Okay. It's not my personality. I'm a go-getter. 100 miles an hour at least. Yes. Huh? It's not going to happen. Oh, your heart's desire is not going to happen anyway. Okay. So I'm not going to think about it. Not going to happen, so I'm not going to think about it. All right. Anybody else? You don't give enough importance to yourself. It's different than the world's perspective. Time. I'm too busy. I don't trust myself. I don't know how. It may be painful. Maybe something that you long for. Maybe you have lost a child and you want another. Maybe you don't have a significant other and you long for that. It may be painful. It may be, uh, you may feel like, oh, that's just old sentimental hooey. I'm not going to listen to my heart. I'm too smart for that. My reasoning is better. So I'm not going to try to stop and listen to what m myself, my heart, my life tells me. The truth is that even in our outward, successful, and affluent lives, many of us walk through this life saying, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Some of us don't even know what we're looking for because we can't stop long enough with all the stuff that's going on to be quiet with ourselves, to be quiet with God and listen to the deep desires of who we are. Now, finding out what we desire the most is not very easy. It is very hard to sit down long enough in order to allow ourselves to process through all the normal stuff that goes on in our lives to begin to listen I think the disciples give us a little bit of an example here. Just like I said, they weren't sure exactly what they were looking for. So when Jesus said, what do you want? They just simply said, well, where are you going? We, we just want to hang out. 
where are you going? Can we, can we hang out with you for a little while? Sounds somewhat superficial when the question is, what do you want? And some of us will approach God, will approach ourselves with very superficial things. But you know what? That's okay. So let's start there. One, a quote from the book. One reason we find it so hard to know what we most desire is that we have so many desires. There are so many things whirling around in our lives and things that we think we may really want and, and they capture, capture our attention and they draw us in those directions, but there are so many of them we never are able to get at the core, at the deepest part of what we truly want. We can be superficial but we can start at the superficial. We can at least express those things and begin to write them down. It may be hard because it connects with deeper parts of our lives that we haven't connected with in a very long time. And we're unsure how to connect with that part of who we are. It may be difficult because we have conflicting desires. Have you ever done that? I've been there. Even as a preacher, wake up on Sunday morning, man, I'd like to stay in bed. But man, I'd like to go to church so I can see the people and I can get to preach and I can hear from God and all of those things. But man, I'd like to stay in bed. We all can have conflicting things going on. So to help us get at what we truly want, I want to give you a small exercise. Maybe you've heard this story about a person who's standing over a grave and they see this person's life and, and they're just kind of contemplating. And another person comes up and begins to ask them questions and one of those is, what are you, what are you thinking about? And they say, well, I'm, I'm thinking about the dash between the two years, you know, when they're born and when they die. I'm thinking about the dash and I'm wondering what my dash will be like. I'm wondering what kind of impact I will have in this world. I'm wondering how people will view me. And so an exercise that I want you to go home and do today. I know this may sound odd. It may feel morbid. I don't know, but at least it's a start, a step in the right direction. I want you to go home and write your eulogy. What you want people to say at your funeral not, not what you think they'll already say, okay? Not what perception you think the world has of you thus far, but when you stop and really think about it, what do you want people to say about you when you die? That will be a step towards your deepest desires, those longings that are embedded in you, not just from you, but also from God. How do you want to be remembered? I'll give you a few options. Do you want to be remembered as someone who loved deeply or was self-centered and selfish? Do you want to be remembered as someone who was honest or someone who was deceitful? Do you want to be remembered as someone who is generous or someone who is tight-fisted? Compassionate or never cared? Loved life or complained constantly. You can go through all kinds of questions to ask yourself about who you want to be.
and let those settle in who you are. Now, some of us are wondering about this third part that says, ask for what you want. And some of you, I know, are sitting there in, in your seats and going, now, pastor, we're not supposed to ask for what we want. Jesus taught us, you know, thy will be done. We're supposed to get out of the way. It's not about what we want. You know, it's about self-sacrifice and everything that we aren't supposed to have. And I want you to hear this story. What if there was a groom who we, when he invited his wife to be married to him, he said, you know, I, I love you very much. I want to do everything I can for you. Um, you know, I, I just, I cherish you. I love you. But from now on, I don't want to hear what you want. You can't tell me what you want. I don't want to do those things. You've got to do what I say. I don't want to hear about the longings in your heart and in your life. I, I just don't want to hear about it. But you can love me. And that'll be enough. Now women, how would that go over? Y'all be like, see ya! Or don't let it hit you on the bottom on the way out. Or some other choice things that could be even more fun. Why do we have that concept about God? If we are his bride, if we are his church, why do we have this concept about God that he doesn't want to hear about anything other than when we're ready to do what we think he wants us to do? That's not the Jesus I see in this picture. Not in this story. Not in the way he lived his life. Not in the God that approaches me to love and care for me. Not in the one who took each and every one of us in his very hands and formed us in his image. He wants to hear. He doesn't want you to wait to start talking to him when you feel like you've got it all together. And now I can do everything I'm supposed to do for God, so now I can start asking him for what I want. That's not what God wants. God wants us to be in conversation with him. He wants us to start, even if it's superficial, even if for right now all you can say is, I want a brand new car. Start there. God wants to hear the deepest desires of our heart because I believe he knows that even if we start in superficiality, if we wait long enough, if we listen hard enough to who he has made us to be and we hear his voice, we will hear a deeper longing than a new car. It will be about something else. And so for us, I want us to hear Jesus' question. What do you want? At the depths of who you are, God wants to know. He wants to have that conversation with you, even if it starts in a painful place. Let him know. Because when we invite him into those moments of our lives, into who we are, something happens. 
I can't explain it. I can't tell you I know this formula that happens. I don't. All I know is when we choose to let God know who we are and the deepest parts, there are things that he does in us that are greater than anything we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. There is no doubt God wants us to think about unhealthy desires and healthy desires. And there is a very simple way, I think, to look at that as we bring all of these things before God. Unhealthy desires tend to make our world smaller. They tend to make us draw away from other people to, to push back and to be, want to be alone, to, to push away because we've been rejected instead of trying to welcome back in and heal. There's all kinds of things that can be unhealthy in our lives that will be destructive. And I guarantee you the number one destructive choice that we as human beings make is isolation. It's saying, I don't want or need anybody else. And God's what do you want is calling us, I believe, into a relationship with him. Two, healthy desires expand our world. They bring in the neighbor. They bring in the stranger. They bring in thoughts and ideas we never thought possible. They may even have us eat food we didn't think we liked. And lo and behold, there we like it. Who knows? I don't know, but it expands our world. It draws our circle larger and larger as we understand who everybody else is in this world. So how do you answer God's question? There is no doubt in my mind that our desires shape our lives. Everything we do, everything we spend on, the calendar that's full of all the stuff, every bit of that is shaped by the desires that we think we may have. Some that need to go deeper. But they will shape who we become. They will give life or they will destroy us. But today we got to start somewhere by at least conversing with the one who has asked us, even if it's destructive, to bring it into his light. Because that's really what's happening here. In this talk that, or in this question that the disciples ask, where are you staying? You know, if you start with the what, ultimately you may wind up with the where are you staying? Because when we find the deepest desires of our soul, I believe there's a touchstone between them and God. And they will draw us to Christ who wants us to bring every single desire we have into his light, into his life so that they can be shaped and molded and brought to true reality in the way he designed you, in the way he designed me, in the way he designed this world to be. Amen and amen. Um, today, as part of the response, I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up.
One, I want you to make this real. If you've never begun a conversation with God to let him know your desires, I would ask that you would start that today. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're interested in starting that relationship today or asking a question about him, whether you want to start it or just simply ask questions, I will be right up here at the altar and you can come. If you need prayer, we have a prayer minister back in this back corner. I'm also available for prayer if you want someone to pray with you. Just make it real. In the midst of all of this, um, I'm going to invite anybody who would like to or just a few of you there are about 12 cards up here that I want you to write a message of encouragement to a student who's going to receive this backpack. Just say, I hope you have a good school year. We're thinking about you, your friends at the Ridge, whatever you want to put. But write a note of encouragement to these students who are going to receive these backpacks. We're going to put them right in the backpack. And when they get them, they'll get this little card and know that at least there's somebody who cares about them and their school year. So those are two things you can do. Make it real with God. Make it real for somebody else if you want to come and fill out a card. So please come. Spread out your arms over empty space. Said, Let there be light into a dark and formless world. Your life was born. You spread out your arms over empty hearts. Said, let there be light to a dark and hopeless world. Your son was born. You made the world and saw that it was good. You sent your only son for you are good. Oh. What a wonderful maker What a wonderful Savior How majestic your whisper How humble your love With a strength like no other And the heart of a father